When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. outside your window maybe a real piece of work these days but here on post recaps we're making everything super with peacemaker coverage here on the everything is super post show recaps podcast talking about episodes five and six of peacemaker season one monkey dory and Mern. after reading i am josh wiggler i am joined here by a man that i assume the butterfly living in Mern's head would also have found an acceptable host, considering how bad of a person he is. Kevin Mahadeo. I honestly think that butterfly would spend 30 seconds in my head and then be like, no, thank you, and leave. I Just think the butterfly, why? Because the thoughts that it would still be clinging <laughs> exactly. to? Exactly. I don't like the him. Thoughts that, that, that this person had, he's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want any part of this. Do you <laughs> think that the butterfly would have felt like uh, even Kevin was capable of change? <laughs> if I could change and you could change, yeah. everybody could change. Yeah. Rocky Ford thrown out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only 85% a piece of shit, Josh. Yeah. Know? That other that 15% other is 15%. taking you places. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we are catching up on two episodes of Peacemaker for this podcast. No podcast last week, as I am sure you noticed. That was a symptom of, or a consequence even of some scheduling issues on my part. So I apologize for that. So today we will talk about uh, the last two episodes of Peacemaker or the most, uh, the two most recent episodes. Luckily it's not the last two episodes of Peacemaker. We still have two episodes left beyond this point, even though Kevin, I felt like the Mern after reading the one from this week, especially felt like penultimate episode material of like the entire police department is now uh, been taken over by butterflies Rest in peace, detective song, I guess, right? Because she's technically we hear from dead, yeah. We hear from Mern that like uh you know they the butterflies take over the people that yeah, they still have access to their memories and stuff, but they are they are dead. So RIP Detective Song and Detective Fitz and uh Captain Locke, who I'm not so sad to have lost. I have questions about that guy. I still don't fully know what his deal is. Uh, I thought he was a butterfly from how he acted, but apparently, no, he was not. He was just a sociopath, I guess, that Mern knew. 
Yeah. Uh, real weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so lots and lots of questions still as to the true nature of the butterflies. I think, you know, we get some answers in this episode. It seems like everybody on, uh, what are we calling them now? The 11th street kids. Do we officially have uh, a name I for our, for our name, group? Right. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's their jam. That's, that's what they repping. <laughs> yeah. All, ele- great all that was all of the 11th street kids with the exceptions of peacemaker and vigilante know that Mern is a butterfly. Uh, Mern has, uh, has convinced all of them. Harcourt, uh, seems to think so. Uh, Adebayo thinks so as well. Uh, perhaps even die beard, though he is trying his best not to hear anything about the fact that Mern is a butterfly all seem to trust Mern's account of what the butterflies are and that Mern is effectively a butterfly who is rebelling against the goth butterfly that is sort of like queen butterfly uh, and is uh, trying to do all sorts of evil butterfly shenanigans. But do we buy that? I think is something that we should talk about in this episode of the podcast. On top of all of that, with the butterflies descending upon uh, the storyline here, we also have the white dragon is fully armed up. Robert Patrick is ready to go and he has killing peacemaker as the number one priority on his to-do list, Kevin. So yeah, we're in a pretty dangerous spot heading into the final two episodes of peacemaker season one at the very least. Well, he, he already checked off the uh, other stuff on his to-do list with, you know, going home and, finding a white supremacist, I guess, to take care of those needs. And now it's mm-hmm. kill Peacemaker, and then one must assume genocide. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, his to-do list pretty, pretty packed with things that need accomplishing, I suppose. Man, yes. I hope that guy gets shot in the face. <laughs> Ooh, Robert Patrick? Uh, no, Aug- not Robert Augie Patrick, Smith? the author, but yeah. yes, the white dragon Augie. character. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking about this. I, I hope this. the best for Robert Patrick, the person. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I was thinking about... Uh, all of the butterflies that have invaded and thinking about um, Augie and uh, is he inevitably going to get butterflied out? And I kind of hope not. Cause I feel like he needs to be maybe at the very end, if they want to like have a butterfly sneak into his head and then peacemaker pops his brain, uh, that could be very satisfying. And also there's like a utilitarian aspect of why peacemaker would have to do that. Um, but I feel like we need to get the actual confrontation between Chris and Augie. And the other thing about that is, uh, I feel like if anyone is protected against getting infiltrated via the face mouth by butterfly, Kevin, it's probably the guy that has like a full on completely head encompassing helmet, uh, such as the white dragon. So I think he seems to be on the board safest from butterfly infiltration. Second only perhaps to vigilante if vigilante is wearing his mask. If he's wearing his mask, which he's not always want to do. So, (laughs) But, yeah. you know, once the mask is off, the butterflies won't even know that that's vigilante. So they might just ignore him completely. That's true. That's a very good point. Uh, and also, hopefully, Peacemaker has some kind of helmet that has like a mouth guard uh, that he will ultimately wear at some point in time. Do you also think that vigilante's uh, visor is like his prescription? Because he definitely is a type who's wearing his glasses all the time. And like, you need that. And especially since he's a sharpshooter. So I have to imagine his visor is prescription. Uh, that's something that's just been on my mind. As yeah, I've been watching. I think it's worth having on your mind. And I think that you got to be right. Unless he's got the glasses on underneath. And it seems like a pretty snug fit. Uh, I feel like he's probably all right. Yeah. 
I also feel like two as two guys who wear glasses, we've been in situations where we have to put something over them, and it's incredibly uncomfortable. I yeah. don't like it. Uh, I think you and I could both attest that the glasses and mask combo is a challenging yeah. one. Uh, Extremely challenging. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, tiny violin stuff. What are you going to do? Uh, so we've got a lot of Peacemaker <laughs> to talk about. Of course, both of us have been very busy in the podcasting minds. Uh, plenty of podcasts that we've both been putting out here in the Post Show Recaps universe. One that I want to shout out specifically is Kevin's patron-only podcast, Why A, the Harry Potter podcast, has happened, Kevin. Uh, yourself, Melissa Woodward, Brooklyn Zed, all three of you have returned to Hogwarts for a fairly epic run-through of the entire Harry Potter series for the patrons of Post Show Recaps. We made the first episode of that free to listen to in the main feed. The rest of them are going to be patron only. Um, do you want to give a shout-out to the, the Sorcerer's Stone recap that you guys just put out? Oh my God. Yes. It was so much fun. We had such a great time uh, talking about that film and going through it and the memories of watching it and now rewatching it and just like babies, the babies, the quote shredder. Uh, that like that part is so wild to see like the actors so young again. Uh, but that first one was so fun to watch and talk about. We had such a good time. Uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, I definitely hope you, you sign up, you know, uh, to check this out because like we're having a blast we're taking feedback um, we're changing up what we're, we normally do in that each movie we're covering over the course of two weeks the first week uh, the three of us are talking about the film and then the second week we're bringing on a guest uh, to talk about their Harry Potter experience their uh, feelings towards the franchise their their experience and that part's especially fun you know we're gonna about to record our first one of those we have a guest from the discord and, and, and a fellow patron coming on that we're bringing on here um to talk about uh harry potter and like it's it's so much fun and it's nice to kind of be back in that world and talk about like why we're back and like wh how we're feeling about it because we're not shying away from other stuff and you know we're shouting out a lot of um lgbtqia and trans charities to you know to to help uh, donate and support um the cause there and uh recommending other fantasy books by like you know people of color and minorities like it's it's really great like we're, we're we are really excited about this and that first one was such a great kickoff so yeah definitely giving a big shout out and plug and i hope uh, people join up for that yeah people who have been listening have loved what you're all doing uh so that's really great patreon.com slash poster recaps at any level and you will get access to the harry potter podcast that is being created for the patrons of post show recaps uh you could do a custom pledge if you want to just do a dollar a month and you will get access to these podcasts so consider signing up patreon.com slash post show recaps to listen to the harry potter podcast as well as the extra podcast that kevin and i put out for uh, the patrons of post show recaps where we are talking about x-men every week we are going to be talking about uh the x-men episode come to apocalypse uh is that what it's called i think i think it's come the apocalypse come the apocalypse Not like come hither yeah, come to yeah. apocalypse to me come my on. apocalypse <laughs> yeah uh so we're gonna be talking about that over at patreon.com slash poster recaps you can go there you can listen to the extra podcast for free on the website if you want it in your podcatcher you gotta sign up for the patreon so those are some plugs here right off the top Kevin, two episodes of Peacemaker to cover in sort of a broad way, I think, today. We're not going to go scene by scene. I think we're just going to talk about the show and what it's been like over the last couple of weeks. I would love to just start with your overarching thoughts, not just on 
the advancement of the story and getting a little more clarity to some degree on what's going on with the butterflies and, uh, you know, which characters are on the board that we should be feeling especially threatened by, who are we feeling better about, but also the jokes, the, the copious amounts of jokes, uh, just the vibe of Peacemaker. How have you been feeling uh, over uh, the course of five and six? Um, listen, I remember seeing, I think, last week that Peacemaker is the most popular show in the world right now. Like, it's just doing that well, and I support and believe it. It's just continued to be so engaging and entertaining. Like, it doesn't feel like there's been any down episode. Like, sometimes when you watch a show, you're like, all right, that was sort of like an episode that was like, eh, it was here, like, not filler filler, but almost there. And I haven't had that at all for this show so far. I will shout out the two things that slayed me uh, in the episode five. John Cena just just freeze like almost like free association style listing people off was amazing. Red line from Boltron. You can see like the lines of like you can see how he went from person to person almost, which I thought was so great. And then the one from this week, Drake, he, Kim Kardashian, Kardashian, Chloe Kardashian, Chloe Kardashian. Like, just... What about Bill Cosby? He just got out. He's he got some got time. <laughs> Not Ariana Grande though. She's yeah. too precious. Yeah. Um, and then this week. When he called that little girl gender swapped Alfred E. Newman, I <laughs> lost my freaking mind. <laughs> like yeah. that's such an esoteric reference, but like so spot on. <laughs> that killed me. Uh, I I continue to just adore the jokes. I continue to adore um, uh, Vigilante. Eagly got to shine in episode six. Yeah, uh, Eagly is hardcore. Uh, loved it. Loved it. There's just everything about the show. I've, I've been enjoying so much. John Cena can play the piano. What the hell can he, was that yes. actually him? I looked it up, Josh. I looked it up. He actually plays the piano. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Jo uh, James Gunn actually tweeted out how this came about, how he found out that John Cena plays the piano. It's wild. It is a hundred percent him. No double John Cena could actually play amazing wow. this man is incredible I, yeah i have even more of a crush on him now uh, you are wow. you are your follower john cena my twitter follower john cena tickling the keys right that's what we say uh just tickling the nope, keys I, I don't think we do Josh. on the piano when we're tickling the keys uh what is this uh, from James Gunn saying, uh, while we were shooting the Suicide Squad in Panama, I got word my dog of nearly 17 years was about to pass away. It was one of the saddest days of my life. I decided to fly home for a day to be with him. I sat in the hotel lobby bar with John waiting to be taken to the airport. John got up and sat at the grand piano and played the most beautiful rendition of the Pixies, Where Is My Mind? It crushed me and yet soothed me and everyone around me was crying. I wanted to capture some semblance of that moment with this song. Um, that's really, really beautiful. And I think, uh, you know, a really uh, just a real testament to the how personal James Gunn is as a filmmaker and how much of himself he wants to put into the stories that he tells uh, for that to be the impetus behind the, the piano, uh, the piano piece that uh, we get from peacemaker at the end of episode six and also that yeah that it's you know it's actually mirroring a moment where john cena like broke slash restored gun's heart uh mm -hmm. and to have that here that's that's really cool i didn't know that uh really 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 compelling show's stuff. amazing <laughs> 
The show is really, really, really good. Uh, it's just, it's very funny. I, I really loved episode five, Monkey Dory, uh, and the fact that so much of that episode was about finally, finally getting these people kind of on the same page, that they have this mission that for once doesn't go awry in pretty much any way. Like they have to go through, they're trying to find, um, you know, uh, like the source of the fluid, um, the factory where we come to find out that everybody is a butterfly here uh, and peacemakers just ruthlessly immediately shotgunning people in the head. <laughs> and Autofio is running up and just... Uh, tapping them long after they're after dead, they're dead. <laughs> like you don't have to shoot anybody they're already dead uh but the biggest obstacle that they fight is charlie the gorilla uh, i knew he was gonna come back somehow <laughs> uh they're like our savior charlie the gorilla uh that they have to fight charlie the gorilla and that's almost pretty bad but economos comes and saves the day and chainsaws charlie to death i guess it would have been cooler if he came in with the chainsaw and said, vigilante, bro, use this. And I would have said, thanks, bro. Uh, Cause I was, I said it before. He's just, I, I said off it my before. Idea. it's just like, he just took my idea. Oh my God. What a great, just yeah. everything about it. And just them singing in the car afterwards. Like everything was so good with that hardcore taking the picture and sending it. It really was exactly what we needed. So that in this episode, the next one in six, when they just all get, almost torn apart it's that much more devastating yeah. it really is like just also great storytelling to do that but damn oh damn that 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 previous episode too episode five like what a what a thrill ride um yeah charlie talking a la caesar from from rise of the planet of the apes mm -hmm. and immediately getting killed though yeah uh, brutal <laughs> yeah uh i don't know that i had gorilla gets chainsawed through the heart on my peacemaker bingo card um and yet that's on me yeah you should that's have my, really that's, expected that's that um, what show do you think you're watching <laughs> i'm not watching the right show obviously um, but I I loved it. I thought it was a really good episode. Uh, I thought that, you know, getting to see, like, uh, more of what Peacemaker has in his arsenal and the fact that his helmets all do these different things and getting to see another one, the X-Ray Vision, in an episode, no less, where he uh, name-checks Superman. Uh, yes. I believe this is the one. What is he saying Superman's into? He's like, Superman's into butt stuff, basically. Uh, I, think, I, I, I think that that's <laughs> what, he, what he says. I, uh, I, I I blacked out in that moment. I refuse to hear slander against Superman in any way or shape or form. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's fine. I just the way that this show and that it was able to get past uh, the the Warner Brothers DC censors uh, of uh, being able to effectively have Peacemaker in his view besmirching the honor of folks like Superman. Um, you know, it seems like DC has has laid off a little bit in terms of what they have allowed uh to to be done in in their name um in this episode too uh you know in episode six peacemaker's like i haven't met wonder woman but she was giving me eyes from across the room yep. at a party <laughs> uh, to children is what he said that to mm -hmm. and then doesn't doesn't that kid respond like nice basically yeah he goes nice <laughs> nice <laughs> you know God, this show's great uh loves it so yeah i think uh they've they've been doing a lot of really funny stuff but i think that the emotional beats have been working really well as well i think about um you know i obviously watched the episode when it came out the other week but i've been thinking about ever since 
Um, my favorite moment from that is when they're in the car on the way back and they're listening to the song that, you know, they started listening to at the very end of their drive to the factory, but they turned the car off right before the song got anywhere and they're rocking out to it in the van and Harcourt has had this huge like change of, uh, of heart towards everybody. And she's the one who takes the picture and just the look on her face and just the smile on her face as you know, she seems to be in need of some friends as much as anybody else in this van. Um, that moment for me of Jennifer Holland uh, as uh, who we come to know as Amelia Harcourt in this past episode um, was was really, really, really lovely. And I just w- think it's one of those things that James Gunn does so well, uh, this like found family idea uh, that uh, is uh, often a hallmark of his work across uh, now this show, but of course his, his movies and, and Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Yeah, you got this great stuff between those moments. But you also have, I think, it it, it does so it's so good because it is building this found family. It's these people finding each other, but still not fully trustworthy all the way, right? Like, because even in that episode, you had Abadai, uh, Abadai, oh my god, Abadai, yeah. Leona, uh, uh, hiding the journal underneath, like you know, in his in his, uh, uh, oh my god, I can't talk today. His trailer, um. And, like, that is devastating in and of itself, right? Like, all these little moments that I think they're being bonded, but, like, these twists keep happening. And then, of course, at the very end of that episode, uh, finding out that Mern is, in fact, a, uh, a butterfly. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's, but it's, it's so good because we're already so invested in the bonds that these characters have made in this episode and have been making throughout, uh, you know, slowly every step of the way. Um, it's, it's great storytelling. It's truly great storytelling. Yeah. Um, beyond that, yeah, there's this tension that's still existing within the group uh, of Adebayo being the person who uh, Chris uh, feels the most connected to as a friend. And she's doing this thing that's on the orders of her mother. Is that his diary or is it a total fabrication? Kevin? Total fabrication. Yeah. I think that was uh, that was what um, uh, Waller said um, in that first episode was that it was like a fabricated journal. Uh, that they wanted to hide. I think Waller probably has it out for um, Peacemaker for yeah. probably many, many reasons. Because uh, one, it's Amanda Waller. So I think that's like supposed to be planted to like really emphasize like what type of person he is and like keep him on the outside, uh, which, you know, like, come on. Like, I know it's your very mom, dirty, like, very dirty. <laughs> uh, well, I think that she's struggling with her place in this world. And it's really sad that that comes after having such a great day at the proverbial office uh, and feeling like she's gotten closer to Peacemaker. She even says to him, like, you put up the Peacemaker front because you don't want people to like you. But if you were just Chris, like people would <laughs> like you, like you're not half bad. Uh, and yet she goes ahead and does this. And beyond that, what we get in episode six is uh which i don't think is is for me anyway like a major surprise that mern is uh you know a good guy butterfly at least as it currently stands that he's sort of the lone dissenter to the goth butterflies plan to dominate earth that that's not why the butterflies were here in the first place um and now we come to find out that that's what the butterflies are going to be here to do at goff's command uh, and that Adebayo finds this out, and we find out that Harcourt knew and Economos knew as well, uh, but they're all still keeping uh, Peacemaker and, less importantly, Vigilante on the outside of the Circle of Trust, uh, and so they have not fully solidified here yet. They are still 
um, in positions, Kevin, where they're they're just not trusting each other all the way. And it just sucks because like poor poor Peacemaker, right? You can see it in his eyes uh, when Autobio is just like ignoring him, not even meeting his eye, like just completely like. And I like I feel like a lot of us have been there when we've been like upset or angry, and the person's just not even gonna look at you, and it just makes you more upset and like heartbroken. Yeah, uh, that scene was wonderfully well acted. I I, I thought from from uh, episode six. Uh, yeah, and there's just a lot happening that is so engaging and it just feels like a lot happened in episode six too and just like like you said it felt like it's an ultimate episode and not just like the them setting up like the butterflies are in uh, like police but just all that stuff coming together like reveals information the the raid on the house like so much happened in that episode that it is almost like shocking but at, at the same time like so delightful that there's still two to go um so yeah it's it's also the we know certain things i will say right like we know that the butterflies are not going to tear the flesh off of people and eat it we know that they're not going to lay uh xenomorph babies inside of people um we know that we they don't need to get back to their home planet so there's certain things we know that they're not here to do but we don't know everything we don't yeah. know you know they're real real plans so it, it could be any one of the fictional alien featured movies or it could be the plot of porkies vigilante is 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 right in that we know they didn't ask the butterfly that so they don't know and it could just yeah. be for a movie night you know i'm kind of sad that the goth butterfly has ended up being uh, a villain i loved this world that i was living in for a minute of the goth butterfly loving getting contact high with peacemaker and eagly uh and just having the best time but no uh queen alien for sure unless you think that there's a reversal coming um you know we already have the reversal on Mern. are we in for like the double blind like are we going to get ourselves into a position kevin where we find out that Mern is secretly King Butterfly and uh, the the queen and the rest of these butterflies are out for justice against Mern uh, for like legitimate reasons. Uh, or do you think that it's going to be fairly straightforward in terms of the narrative moving forward? I don't know. It might be fairly straightforward, but you know, you look at guardians and there's mostly straightforward stuff, but even in it's straightforward, this there's like interesting drama, right? Like ego living planet wants to, you know, take over, take over the galaxy sure but there's the interpersonal drama that made that much more interesting by having it be his dad so i think i think there's maybe some levels that's still there that needs to be peeled back uh the 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 onion and or parfait still has some layers underneath i think still mm, now i want a parfait <laughs> everybody do, likes a parfait do you like do you like a parfait was that was that speaking to you once upon a time um, I think when I actually saw that movie, I didn't know what a parfait was. Uh, so that I had to go look that up and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think I got, got it in college for the first time. I had a parfait at one of the, the union halls, um, shops that they have, you know, crunchy um, layers, the, fruity the crunchy layers. layers, the fruity layers, not as much for me, right? Like the crunchy layers and obviously the sweeter layers all about it. Cause you don't like, you don't like, a I'm fruit? a child. You don't like a fruit. I'm a child. I don't like fruits in my ice cream. Mm. Uh, I'm when I go to like uh, Menchie's or or Sixteen Handles or any sort of like Froyo place, uh, I put like gummy bears and Reese's Pieces in mine. That's how I run. I uh, would be really nervous to find out what Peacemaker's parfait order would be, considering Ooh. the ingredients used in the Peace Train. Yak <laughs> butter. <laughs> uh, I like that he was so convinced. Like it's good. He takes a drink. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, that was an incredible moment from uh, Danielle Brooks when she uh, takes the drink. She needs to spit it out, but then she goes in and equally's using the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the double, the double grossness. It's just, it's just too, too, too much. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to start talking about Detective Song, uh, where all of that has gone, and a lot of the violence we get into here in episode six. Well, we'll do that on the other side of this commercial break. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Kevin, I am I'm sad that this is how Detective Song's story, if not all the way ends, at least partly ends. Um, We are uh, told in this episode from Mern that the butterflies, when they install themselves into people's brains, kill the person. Uh, you know, and Mern, you know, is like, I own that I've killed Mern. I picked the worst person I possibly could, and even he could have been changed, and I still have some of his memories. Um, and so hearing that, if we take that fully at face value, um, means that when Detective Song is infiltrated by the goth butterfly, she's dead. And I don't know, I'm just kind of bummed that she doesn't get to see things through with Augie Smith, especially how horrible the White Dragon had been to her throughout their time together in the uh, in the show thus far. That I do have to say, if I, I don't know if this is like a major critique against the show or not, but this was a moment that left me feeling a little unsatisfied that this is the direction we're taking the detective song story in and, and, you know, a way to integrate maybe the white dragon storyline into the greater butterfly situation as well. I don't know. I, I want justice for detective song. And I feel like now we're never going to get that. I was bummed. I don't know if you were bummed. Uh, I was shocked. Um, You know, detective song swan song was this episode uh, for sure. And you had like, what is it the that she says where it's just like, just enjoy this moment, basically, uh, that, that when she tries to smile. Uh, but I was shocked. Like when it happened, I was just like, oh, shit. Like I literally just like got to exclaim out loud because I did not see it coming at all. Um, and it is surprising. Uh, Song and, and, and Fitz are great characters. And I thought they were really interesting and their story was great but we knew it had to intersect in other ways coming up uh this was a very unexpected thing but i don't think it's a bad thing um i do think you know song and fits both and song especially has been getting um shit from the white dragon from augie uh but they oh you mean you you mean jimmy fallon aka blake shelton Sorry, running out of white guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to think of very generic-looking white guys like that. So uh, they're dime a dozen, but they're also forgettable. Yeah, um, so I funny. do like. Uh, no, that's that's for what was it like? A a dog took a crap in my head or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's uh that's actually translates to a donkey took a shit on my hair. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um. So like they had the trading barbs, right? But I think for Augie especially, I don't necessarily think it needs to be song who who does it i do think there'll probably be an encounter and song will probably get to like at least smack him around a little bit as a butterfly 
But I do think like as a viewer, I just want someone to do something to Augie, right? Like, and Peacemaker is the most logical one because it's his dad. So I think there'll be some stuff, but I think the justice and catharsis is going to come in other ways, which I'm okay with as long as he gets something. Yeah. Um, eventually. I don't necessarily need it immediately. Like, if you got a story to play out, let it play out. But uh, that guy got some comeuppance coming his way. Yeah. Part of me, like, I have not fully reconciled this within my own enjoyment of the show where I, I don't know where the, the value of the shock, because I was certainly very shocked when when Vigilante fell and uh, the glass jar broke and Goff was free, you know, it was not a far leap and it happens very quickly. We're like, oh, this is bad for Detective Song. Are they actually going to? OK, they're actually doing it. Uh, you know, the butterfly flies into her face and it's done. Um, and so it was really, really, really shocking. But I don't know yet where I'm at on the balance between that was really effectively shocking and, you know, took me off guard versus is that satisfying? I don't know. Um, hard, hard for me to, to know exactly where, where I land uh, on, on all of that. I'll say if it's giving Annie Chang, who plays Sophie Song, an opportunity to kind of do Queen Alien stuff for the final couple of episodes. Um, we already see some of this. <laughs> I love her line. She's like, Man, it really is hard to, you know, every time you get a new brain, like it's hard to remember how you're supposed to smile. Uh, you know, how uh, that plays out amongst the group was hilarious. Yeah, Just creepy ass smiles all around. That big hallway walk by the end of the episode where they're all trying to figure out how to smile was fun. So, I'm I'm definitely, you know, it did not dampen my enjoyment to any degree where I'm not still excited about the show and still enjoying the show, but it did bum me out in a way where uh, I don't know, I need to see how they land Augie's story specifically. And I don't know if it's super satisfying to me to have Peacemaker be the one who kills him, Kevin, because we get this really uh, sad moment from Peacemaker in this episode where he tells Harcourt, who has engraved the dove into his gun, albeit with the tail pointing in the wrong direction, uh, and uh, says, it wasn't the, the lack of a dove on my gun that stopped me from killing people. I don't want to kill people anymore. Peacemaker doesn't want to kill. He's fine shooting aliens. He's got no issue killing aliens, especially little creepy bug ones, but he doesn't want to kill people. And I think even if he has to kill a bug infested version of his dad, isn't that not still going to be like pretty horrible for him to have to endure? Aren't we rooting for Peacemaker to be somebody who doesn't just have to kill people? That's what he wants, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you, he doesn't have to kill him. Just do something bad to him. That that works, too. Like I said, there's ways to take care of someone like Augie without having to necessarily kill him. Um, so that'd be fine. I wouldn't be against that at all. I Like I said, I would love that. I, I want the story to play out the way it's going to play out. And I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that. I do think there's such a connection to Peacemaker that it could be that maybe he isn't capable of killing his dad, right? And that's when goth butterfly or song can take care of it um there are ways to pull this off there are ways to do it that i think are going to be satisfying i get what you're saying about the shock of the moment and and you know how you ultimately feel about it um i may be like less there uh than you are um and you know you're a guy who's watched every season of the walking dead so this being a thing is actually kind of surprising because uh what that i care about Um, a a quality show killing characters off uh with without any warning uh because i don't seem to care about a low quality show killing characters (laughs) off without any warning (laughs) yeah exactly you see it done so many times and you've continued with that one so um yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but I do think the benefit of what happens is ga- giving 
uh, a song like a chance to like stretch those acting skills, right? Uh, to to have um, uh, you said it was Amy Chan or Annie yeah. Chan, a- a- um, uh, Annie Annie Chang, yep. Andy Chang, uh, a chance to stretch uh, acting muscles. And we saw that, right? Like a very different vibe already with the way the character is going to be portrayed because it's it's like a little bit stiffer. It's a little more alien. Um, so I think that's fun for any actor to be able to do as well is to be able to like kind of like do something different than you had been doing to showcase your range. So I think one way or another, we're getting good stuff, stuff from song still. It's just obviously going to be different. Um, but I'm, again, I, benefit of the doubt to to james gunn has not led me uh, astray yet so I, i'll let it i'll let it go and see how it how it works ultimately yeah i'm 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 pretty sure that this is going to work out in a way that's that's really really satisfying i guess maybe one of the questions i do have it feels like we are building towards that point in the horror movie where everybody has to like the good guys have to build the barricade and fight really hard against the remaining zombies uh, and maybe make alliances with certain enemies. I'm I, IE I'm wondering, you know, is there any sort of temporary, the friend, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type stuff between peacemaker and white dragon, even uh, as we're pushing into the end, which I would hate. I would really not would like that. That, uh, that for- would be bad. That would, that would almost break the show for me. <laughs> but I, I do think like, you know, how, how pervasive and, and um, like widespread throughout the city will the butterfly invasion be? Uh, and, uh, and what's it going to look like as everybody's like kind of fighting back against that. Um, but the the main point that I'm driving at is, is Peacemaker going to be the butterfly show or is Peacemaker season one, the butterfly show? And so I'm a little curious to to know how they're going to how they're going to land this thing. Ultimately, I'm also curious about that, like how self-contained is what they're doing? I mean, I think James Gunn probably approached it with the idea of like telling a complete story as much as he can, because there was no guarantee of a season two seems like there's going to be a season two after the reception at this point of the show. Um, So that'll be a curiosity because it's already done. So would they have tacked on something else? Would they have filmed something in, in chance of there being a season two and then just like swapped in the ending? Um, I don't necessarily think they have to wrap up the white dragon stuff here and you could save that for a season two situation. Um, but it probably, because of how it was filmed and, and done, I think it'll interlace pretty well with this. So I don't know. It's 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 really tough to say. It, it all depends on like how much James Gunn wanted to gamble with the idea of being able to continue a story. Yeah. Uh, a new development that has happened since last we talked uh, Peacemaker is the arrival of uh, the uh, the Casper Locke character. Uh, temporarily Captain Locke, now Butterfly Locke, uh, who is just like this sort of sick psychopath who gets the mid-credit scene in um, episode six of just trying to, he doesn't even have the butterfly and he's trying to practice human emotion in that moment. He's played by actor Christopher Heyerdahl. Uh, Kevin, do you recognize this guy from anything? I mean, I recognize his face immediately, but I couldn't pinpoint where I know him from. But he was definitely like, I saw him and I was like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah. Uh, does a, the name Marcus Volturi ring a bell by any chance? Oh, yes, it does. I know exactly who it is now. Holy shit. Who is, is this from guy? Twilight. Mm. He is one of the three Volturi from Twilight, along with I mean, Cassius is the other one, which that guy sucks. Uh-huh. Uh, and Arrow. 
played by Michael Sheen. Yeah. Uh, Marcus has one of the best deaths, well, quote-unquote deaths in the series. He's just old as shit, and he just wants to die. And literally, in the final Twilight movie, he's just being charged uh, from both sides by these two others. And he just puts his arm out and just goes, finally and then lets himself get torn in half um, it's awesome that's incredible uh i hope that whatever happens to Locke is competitive with the sound <laughs> of that death scene uh i feel like uh mern versus Locke feels like a showdown that we'll get this is a former uh you know colleague of mern's um who we see is like a ruthlessly bad person uh and now that he is a ruthlessly bad person uh with a butterfly who wants to conquer earth uh kicking around in his head i feel like this character is still going to be pretty pretty nasty i do think that this is one of the things though where like uh i i really liked this character as a as like a sort of late adversary here in uh in the season and I kind of wanted to see a little bit more about what that's going to look like with this guy specifically. Uh, and now that he's going to be Butterfly Lock, uh, is he going to be a little less subdued or is he going to still have some of those character traits? Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but um, I look forward to watching him get ripped apart by two people that are running at him from either side. Hopefully Peacemaker and Vigilante. <laughs> with a chainsaw with a chainsaw uh, yeah it's an interesting thing because now do we know like you know Mern is like he's like I tried to pick the worst person possible you know your friends say a lot about you and the fact that Mern had this guy as like an ally as someone he you know knew and that trusts him says a lot about what type of person Mern used to be yeah. so evidence there that like that yeah probably not a great person uh, overall uh, but I am interested to see how it plays out. I definitely think he's going to have a confrontation with Mern. I think we're going to see that come to pass for sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff, again, that they're setting up for these last two episodes that are, like, I think, cool. Who's Eagly going to fight? That's the big question because we know that Eagly is hardcore and Eagly can take down some people. Uh, so I'm curious to see who Eagly is going to go mono. Maybe the cow. Maybe Eagly is going to fight the cow. Yeah, so what do we think is this cow? We hear that they're, they they believe that there's this cow that's creating all of the butterfly goo. Mm -hmm. uh, what's this going to look like? I don't want to know. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> I don't want to know. Like, I, I feel we could be heading into a situation very close to a comic book series I know that you uh, like as well, Josh, of like a meat person. Yeah, like, I feel like how that thing was shocking. Like I feel like that's where we're leading to. Where we're gonna see something to be like, oh, I don't like any of that. Yeah, like, that's my that's my prediction. Hearing about uh the cow definitely has me at the you edge of my seat. The cow? <laughs> yeah, like we think there's a cow. There definitely there's definitely a cow out there that they're getting all this from. It's like, oh, gross. Yeah. Um, so and if it's one cow to rule them all, right? If it's one cow to mass produce this amber goo has got to be a pretty big cow. You would think probably the biggest it's underground somewhere. Oh. Just a big old gross cow. <laughs> yeah. I, think I mean, we're cow is just what they're calling it. Lord knows uh, what this thing will look like. I feel like uh very likely. Um, oh gosh. Okay. Well, you know how every episode has a pun in its title. Mm -hmm. um, well, the finale has uh, a title that's very provocative for our current conversation. Uh, if you don't want to know what it is, maybe skip forward, uh, hit the skip forward by 30 seconds button. 
Kevin, the finale of Peacemaker season one is called It's Cow or Never. And we know that when these shows uh, and when the Suicide Squad, it was Operation Starfish. It was a literal giant starfish Mm -hmm. alien. And this is Operation Butterfly, and they're literally butterflies. This cow is going to be some sort of gigantic, terrifying cow. Some sort of mutant cow. I don't know what it is. I'm racking my brain right now trying to think of, like, what cow DC character exists. It's not coming to mind. Uh So, um... Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna be pulling from for this one, so we'll we'll see. Oh God, I'm I'm unexcited for it, but also somehow very 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 excited about it at the same time. Um, I think that that's gonna be great. Um, I feel like there was there's been a very conspicuous lack of judo master recently. We know he got we know he got shot, but we know he survived getting shot. At least that's how they played it, right? Like they played it kind of as a joke. But where have they put him? Did they did they put him somewhere? Uh, is he going to be recovered by the time we get into these final two episodes here? And then the other thing that's on my mind still is that Judo Master was the one who was, right before he was shot, was going to say something that seemed like a counter-argument about the perception of the butterflies. But he's been in league with the Goff Butterfly, which is why this is the thing that's sort of hanging out there right now, Kevin, that's making me wonder, is Mern's story fully on the level or is Judo Master going to come back into the proceedings at point and reveal that maybe the Goff butterfly is, you know, got something against Mern specifically because Mern has something nefarious uh, cooking right now. Um, I just feel like Judo Master holds a piece of this puzzle that, uh, is going to be really, really critical whenever he gets back into the story. I mean, I think at the key moment, Juno Master will pop out from the trapdoor underneath the floor to make a reveal and so, then jump on Peacemaker's shoulder like Rocket Raccoon and Groot. So there's so Juno Master, Juno Master is apparently all over the credits if you know where to look for him. Uh, I watched the credits so many times with the intent of spotting Juno Master, and I've never been able to find him. Judo Master is in there beyond popping out from the trap door? That's what they say. Yeah, that he's, he's what? Sec- that he's secretly in the credit sequence uh, multiple times. I haven't been able to find him with my eyes. Okay, well, now I got a weird wall. Where, where's Waldo this next time I I'm, watch? I have to trust the internet here. Uh, I just haven't it's been able to see It's a dangerous thing to do, but okay. I know. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing to do, but it is a thing. Just, it sounds like something where you do the old trick of like you, you let two like pigs loose into a building and you paint the numbers one on th- and three on them. And then everyone's then spending the rest mm-hmm. of the day looking for number two. That feels like that's what that is. Just yeah. Setting you up to go crazy. I'm going to go nuts. Uh, but how much crazier can I get at this point? Uh, Phil, Phil, you want to get nuts? Let's Come get on. nuts. <laughs> Let's get nuts. Uh, but I feel like Judah master is going to be important in the end. And if not, then I'm going to feel like that's a little bit of a, of a thing that was left hanging out there in the breeze. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Um, what else from these two episodes stands out to you, Kevin, is something we haven't even, uh, either we haven't hit on yet, haven't hit on enough, whether it's a joke, a story point. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely, I wrote this down. So we have, um, you with the sad eyes. And by the way, this is how they're accredited in the credits. This is how these kids are credited. Sad eyes, Chubbs, gender swapped, Alfred E. Newman, Urkel, Canadian tuxedo, Rubik's Cube champion 2025 and skinny arms. Yeah. Uh, those are the kids in the classroom. 
Uh, I thought that was fantastic. That's very good. Love that, as I mentioned. Um, I love that Adrian knocks in that annoying way, which I also do at times, where you do the like da 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 da. da. You know, like yeah. everyone does that. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Also, it should have uh, been a real early tell that Casper Locke was a psychopath because he just like was knocking on the window rather than knocking on the yes. door. When he came even to meet says, just like, who does, who does that? The door right there. And he was, a, and he's a butterfly and he understands yeah. human behavior better. <laughs> um, the vigilante answering the phone call from Mern and just being like, uh, n- no, uh, who, vigi- who's vigilante? That's vigilante I'm American. Vigilante's it's phone etiquette. Amazing. His phone etiquette is wild to me. First of all, the constant use of the merman emoji, because it just leaves a lot up to, uh, interpretation, yes. uh, <laughs> is very funny and ridiculous. Uh, they're like, it's meaningless. I know. <laughs> uh, there's that, uh, the way he answers the phone, and also just the uh, the severe uh, decision to just so quickly abandon uh, Chris's phone with all of those irreplaceable pictures of him and Eagly on it. I felt that so deeply in my heart where he's just like, I had a bunch of super cute pictures of Eagly on there. They're irreplaceable. That is my phone. But what about the cloud? Of my dog. What about the uh, cloud? I don't use the cloud either. I don't use the cloud. I don't trust the cloud. He has a better excuse where he just doesn't even understand what it is because he was locked in prison when the cloud became a thing even. But like, I don't use the cloud. I don't, I don't need my phone connected to anything. Also, I'm an Android user. So like a different cloud. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm, my phone is filled with pictures of Gus. If that went out the window, I'm literally going to back up my phone today because I watched this episode earlier. Yeah. Just be like, oh yeah, no, I got to save these. I'll put them on my computer. Yeah. I can't lose these super cute pictures of Gus. So, uh, eagerly just being a beast again, just eagerly is hardcore, just pecking at people. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, yeah, just all around, just, just greatness in these episodes. Just, just phenomenal phenomenal uh, uh show and i i'm sad that i will have to wait for more now uh once it's done next week or yeah two weeks i i want more james gunn dc material uh very 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 badly yes. and it is a God, bummer yes. that this is this is almost done i mean there's gonna be hopefully some great dc material on the other side of this pretty soon the batman beckons kevin uh the batman oh. is on uh, is coming our way in a few weeks it's wow you seem unexcited about this. I my my excitement has has neutralized for internet reasons, I guess. So I'm still look. I'm still pumped about a Batman movie. You're running around looking for Bat number two. I I yeah. I just uh, you know it's it's I'm 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 excited to see it. I will say the the cast and the creative team have gotten me excited. I haven't seen this movie, so I don't know what it's really going to be like. But the marketing has left me wanting. The marketing okay. I do not like. Uh, but I like the the actual facts of the movie. Uh, I, I I like. So I'm are you excited, excited that it's it. that it's a three hour Batman movie? No, that's one of the things <laughs> I'm talking about. That they felt like this was a thing they needed to release in as if it's a, an exciting piece of news. To me, says a lot about what they think is positive about the film. This movie is giving me real. The marketing and PR of this movie is giving me real Suicide Squad vibes. Not the Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad vibes. And yeah. that doesn't make me excited. It feels like when they're, like, originally when that story came out, where it's just like, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz that set on the Sex and the Batmobile, my response was like, good for both of them. Yeah. But now, with everything else they've been doing, I'm like, man, is this like, did they release that on purpose? 
because it's it's a rumor to like is that like jared leto gave people rats as gifts like level that's what it feels like it's starting to feel like that's what they're doing they're trying to hype this movie with these weird ass stories because they think it's cool the way that they think jared leto doing that weird shit was a cool way of getting people hyped for suicide squad so the marketing machine has me just like ugh, this is terrible but again the actual cast and creative team i'm like cool i'm probably gonna like the movie once i see it but everything leading up has done very little for me yeah, it's a three-hour Batman movie, and it looks really wild. And uh, Paul Dano as Riddler is uh, consistently mystifying to me as a concept, and I'm excited to see what that's all about. So exactly, because I love Paul Dano, right? I love yeah. Paul, like on paper, this is a great concept. You can believe that Kevin and I are going to have thoughts on the Batman when the Batman uh, swoops Batman. into uh, the Batman when the Batman swoops into town uh, in just a few weeks. We'll definitely have some Batman coverage for all of y'all, but. First, we got to get through Peacemaker. Next week is Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Uh, it's dragging like the beast. Okay, uh, well, then I guess White Dragon will play a role in this show in this season. Well, they set him up in a big way at the end of this episode, and I just want to watch that man die uh, is definitely how I feel about that. So we'll see if that's going to come our way when Peacemaker returns next week uh next week we'll be back in the scene by scene mode as we'll just have the one episode to talk about lots to catch up up uh catch up on in this week's podcast if you want more from me and kevin we've got the x-men podcast available for you at patreon.com slash post show recaps you could just go there hit play on the extra podcast that appears on patreon.com slash post show recaps if you want to listen to it even more conveniently sign up for the post show recaps patreon at patreon.com slash post show recaps to get exclusive podcasts sent directly to your podcatcher of choice including the harry potter podcast that kevin and zed and melissa are doing if you want more kevin specifically follow that guy he's on the twitter bots at kev mahadeo kevin you tweeting anything interesting lately i'm not checking out twitter that much anymore so i don't know if you've got anything fun going on i think i tweeted about the after party a show on uh apple yeah TV plus which i believe psr is going to yeah be covering is yes covering as this podcast is hitting your feeds i recommend you check out the post show recaps binge show recaps podcast feed which houses all of our streaming service coverage uh, including our coverage of The After Party, the Apple TV Plus show. It's a comedy whodunit murder mystery uh, featuring several amazing uh, actors and comedians, including uh, Sam Richardson, uh, Ben Schwartz, um, uh, Alana Glazer is in it. Dave Franco is Dave rather Franco. rather memorably Tiffany in it. Haddish, uh, Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish is out of control. It's out. It's out of control. The pedigree is great. Uh, it's Phil Lord and Christopher Miller responsible for Spider Man into the Spider Verse are responsible for this show. Every episode is directed by Chris Miller, uh, and we are covering it here on Post Show Recaps. The first episode recap is currently up. Uh, you can listen to that in our binge show recaps feed at postshowrecaps.com com slash binge is the rss link for that if you want to catch that feed uh and all week long we will have a brand new podcast every day uh on the after party as we are catching up with it there are four episodes out right now the fifth episode comes out this week so we will hit it every single weekday this week and then we will be caught up for the weekly after party it's myself jess sterling uh that other ariel chief film critic alongside grace leader here on post show recaps a really fun podcast for a really fun show uh so uh 
I recommend you you check that out. Kevin, you've been enjoying the after party. I've been loving it. We blitzed the first three episodes because they were dropped all at once on uh, Apple TV. Um, absolutely loved it. I was uh, like, this was a show I, I was anticipating. I saw a trailer for it that got served to me. Um, and even though I don't normally do trailers, that's mostly about things that I already know about. I did not know about the after party. Uh, the trailer hooked me from the cast. And then we started watching it and the show was just great. I didn't know it was like, uh, you know, Lord and Miller and specifically Miller uh, who did this. But like, that's already like such a high vote. I think those those two, especially that they can do no wrong from Clone High to Lego Batman to obviously Spider-Verse. They're just extremely talented. And that's being showcased again here uh, in the after party so there's that i don't think i tweeted about it but i uh i i josh we were talking about it and i'll give it a shout out i blitzed all of jack Re or reacher yeah uh, the reacher uh amazon prime show i really enjoyed it did not seem like this would be a show i would like but like holy it doesn't crap, strike me I. as a show you would like either so yeah. it's a it's a pretty big endorsement that you were a fan of reacher it was really engaging. I thought the cast was phenomenal. The guy that cast is him. Holy shit, he's a giant. He is, uh, as I think my fiance put it, like he is, it's so hard to get a character like that or a person like that who like is that big, that jacked and like not have them also be like kind of doofy, like dumb-ish, you know, especially like just looking in a way. Um, not You know what I'm trying to say, right? Like just like some people have like, eh, you're, you, you, you know, um, but he is handsome but also as they say in the show itself like he has kind eyes and i think it's so well cast in that way um and the mystery of it like had me interested i was interested in the mystery i thought it was paced out the the, the information really well I, I like i said not a show i would have thought would have been for me but it was very engaging to the point that like normally i i planned on having it as just background while i did other stuff i didn't do anything i couldn't like i didn't want to look at my phone i didn't want to like read other stuff i was like nope i'm engaged i have to pay attention and i yeah. was glad to do so for that show so uh some superhero oh, jack reacher a superhero <laughs> tie-in uh with jack reacher uh alan richson who plays the titular jack reacher taking over the role from tom cruise in the reacher movies uh which was controversial because tom cruise is not as tall and big as jack reacher is supposed to be in the jack reacher books alan richson obviously is Alan Richson had previously appeared in the DC universe. Kevin, did you know yes, this? Yes, uh, uh, in Titan, in Titans, Aquaman. Titans, Supergirl, and Legend of Tomorrow as well. He was Aquaman on Smallville, but mm -hmm. he's also been in Titans, uh, Supergirl, and Legends that. of Tomorrow as a Hawk of Hawk and Dove. Oh snap! I did not know that. Good yeah. for him. Good yeah. for him. He was like Aquaman all over Titans. In Smallville, I definitely remember. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's a wild one. That was one of the best things they did on Smallville is the fact that they said Aquaman went to the University of Miami, uh, which explains why he wears orange and green as a color scheme because that is the University of Miami colors. Incredible. And I was like, yeah, it's a clever way of having him do that. I like that. That's really, really <laughs> fun. Smallville did smart. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, all right. So check out all of those shows that we're talking about. No, uh, no current podcast plans for Reacher. If there's demand for it, Kevin, maybe we could uh, do a one-off. Uh, I'm going to watch it on your recommendation for sure. Um, okay. We'll be back next week with Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Kevin and I are now going to go and record the X-Men podcast, which you can listen to at patreon.com slash recaps. Follow us on the Twitter bots at Kev Mahadeo at Round Howard. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.